Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, rock and roll time is here. That's right, straight from hell. This is Kill by Kill talking about This is Spider Man. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from the road. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where usually we're talking about horror movie characters in the order in which they die. But because it's the 40th anniversary of one of our favorite films of all time, we're saying fuck it to format and just talking about This is Spinal Tap, the greatest comedy ever made. And of course, there's only one person I trust who understands the difference between stupid and clever. It's, it's so small. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? Well, it's just, yeah, it's really just a matter of nuance. <laughs> it really is. It's so, it's so small. Finally. <laughs> and of course, now, Gina, I don't want to scare you, uh, but this whole thing, and I wouldn't say this to them because they wouldn't get it, but this whole thing is a fad. Also, we have a special guest, a returning champion to Kill by Kill, the one, the only, the lovely Becky Wilson. How are you doing today, Becky? I'm wonderful. How are you two? <laughs> Excellent. So happy to have you back on the air with us. And so... As you can see, it's a bit of a family affair here. Um, This is Spinal Tap is one of the things that, Becky, you and I bonded over. Yeah. And then conversely, one of the things I first recognized Gina from in her conversations about This is Spinal Tap as someone who was on the same brain wavelength as us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gina, when was the first time you saw This is Spinal Tap? You know, honestly, I don't remember. I I feel like my dad must have watched this because this is very much he and I had shared a, a very similar sense of humor. We like like SCTV, SCTV stuff like that. Um, he must have watched this, and maybe I watched it with him, or he told me about it. Uh, and then I watched as a teenager, I think I rented it and I was just like immediately like, yeah, okay, this is my new favorite movie now. <laughs> my first exposure to it was when they performed on Saturday Night Live as Spinal Tap. And oh, wow. so I knew it was, I knew was it was that an, the same year. The yeah, that was out? 84. So mm-hmm. it, that is the last season of the Eddie Murphy Joe Piscopo cast. And then the follow that next fall is the all star uh, season. Billy Crystal, et cetera. Right. Who are you? Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's when Sheer gets invited back on to be a performer and they bring on Christopher Guest, is that coming fall. Mm. Uh, a season I never want to watch again because it was so awakening to my sense of humor. I have the feeling that it's like any old SNL episode you watch, probably not that great. That would have been like the same year that the uh, the synchronized swimming sketch was was done, right? Right. Well, like that yeah, the, the very that's one that's, of my favorite things too. Yeah, that falls. I was season. gonna say some of those sketches stand eternal. Yes, like like this is Spinal Tap. But I remember like laughing to the point of like I couldn't breathe at at, at some sort of like I guess NBC had a miniseries called AD about Rome, and they were just all impressions in a row. And for some reason it struck me as the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I have a feeling if I watch that again, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of empty air here. I was just ready for this parody of a, of a mini series. I was never going to watch. I probably yeah. presumably have never, have never watched. 
No, <laughs> no, I have not, got, not gone back and seen if that's on Peacock. Uh, <laughs> Checked out the old Rome. <laughs> I was also trying to remember the first time I saw it because I would have been, you know, around 10. And I certainly, I don't think any, I wouldn't have gone with my friends. I would have, I must, I don't think I would have seen it with a parent, but I do think I saw it with my aunt the first time on VHS, yeah. like, a Friday night movie rental or something when she was hanging out with me or mm-hmm. something like that. And I remember I must have been old enough to understand how hilarious it was because Gina, we just watched it with Ollie this afternoon. And he was like, um, I don't, I mean, it's kind of funny. They got lost on their way to a, the stage, but is it that funny? <laughs> Yes. Yes, it's that funny. Yeah, I, I <laughs> think it, real, I think it really helps like- if you if you you know you had MTV around and you knew exactly what they were parodying. These kind of you know lunk-headed yes. heavy Some metal context acts. is good right. there, which yes. which really aren't much of a thing anymore. No, and and we've just watched you know Kiss Meet the Phantom of the Park. Which is one of those things that feels like it should have been in this movie, but wasn't. It's like it just there's been so many documentations of like rock and roll misadventures that while we may not have personally witnessed all kind of lead up to this um, when they actually film it. But even at the time, like when they did a, a preview screening in Dallas, like nobody laughed. They're like. Why would you make a documentary about this not very good heavy metal band? Yeah, a lot of people didn't realize yeah. it was a mockumentary. Well, because it's so it's so understated. That. I mean, that's and that's one of the things I, I yes. really like about Christopher Guest's uh, mockumentaries is they're plausible. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> if, if you ever like um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure both you guys did theater growing up. Um, you know, you watch Waiting for Guffman. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's like, oh my God, I know these people. Like, like yes, the, you, know, you the can absolutely the, recognize all those people. Right. Like the <laughs> yes. people doing the exercises before they, they, the audition and, and, uh, one part that always, uh, made, brought me to tears and laughter is when, um, uh, Eugene Levy, they uh, he's asked to take his glasses off before going on stage, <laughs> which I was consistently yes. forced to do. Now I did not have uh, I did not have a lazy eye, but but he like turns to the camera and like the one eye just goes right in. <laughs> he's like, "What are your keen yes. perceptive eyes tell us?" <laughs> I just die every time. And there's so many lines like that in this movie, too, where yeah. you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh, the whole thing with the bread and the folding and the contracts. It's just so good. And it did make me think, though, OK, yeah, if you don't have the context and you're perhaps not of a certain generation, maybe it doesn't speak as heavily to you. But uh, maybe this is Gen X's. <laughs> where were you when JFK? Shot. Where were exactly. you? Spinal tap for the first time because we all have. We all exactly. Have yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's sort of like a. I, I don't. I don't think I've ever encountered. I mean, yeah, I understand not not getting the movie exactly. I don't think I've ever encountered anybody who actively disliked it. True. I have never encountered anyone who has actually 
you know, like, no, that that's a bad movie. You realize you've all been fooled. You've all been fooling one another. No, and it's, people know. Yeah. And the music is, is actually. <laughs> actually very good. Very good. <laughs> and the lyrics are so, so bananas that it's the best. Well, the one big rise we got out of Oliver was Sex Farm. Yes. Like, <laughs> he, he found that delightful. <laughs> But the subtle moments, and I could kind of tell, because he just doesn't pick up on super subtle humor. He likes it slapdash in your face. He needs, yeah, makes sense. He needs he's, to get to the fireworks factory. That's what I was. That's why I was saying. I think when I first saw this movie, I had to have been more like fourteen or fifteen or right. plus, yeah. where it made a lot more, <laughs> well, a lot know, more sense, a lot more humor sense. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the part that always gets me from the first time I saw it till even when we watched it mere hours ago is uh, when Rob Reiner as Marty DeBerge is, is doing his intro to the documentary and he starts to fold his arms and then think better of it and come out of it. Mm-hmm. Every time that gets me, it is so subtle. It is so perfect. I don't think you could ever recreate it. I don't think it would work on stage at Saturday Night Live. I don't think it would work in a sitcom, but it works here. And that's a very specific sense of humor that if that doesn't quite grab you, I do have a, a feeling that it might just whiz over your head a little bit. I honestly, I think. Well, I had read that. The, it, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I'd read that he was, he was drawing heavily from Scorsese's uh, real life uh, documentary on a rock group. Oh, the band. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do wonder if some of that's, I'm sure some of the structure came from it because they did so much improv, but yeah. I, I'm wondering if he was also kind of mimicking some of the things he was seeing in that. I don't doubt and it. It was just hilarious. And the cinematographer is the same guy who did the ultimate uh, documentary with the Rolling Stones. And of course the big thing from him uh, is tell him is, is going, I don't, none of this is funny. This is just real. <laughs> this is what, this is the way bands act. I don't think this is funny enough. <laughs> and it's like, well, I, I think you're, I think you're wrong, but he shoots it absolutely in the, a grounded reality, which uh, is, makes it, I think that much juicier, a, a subject matter because all the subtlety, all the little riffs get, feel punched up a little bit because it's so grounded. Yeah, I, I've also come to appreciate, you know, from watching it numerous times, like the, the things that, you know, you miss early on, like when when uh, when Nigel's complaining about the uh, the, the the food and there, you can see that he's put a cigarette out on one of the crackers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, this is acceptable. Also, this is not. I, I also like that various times, like like uh, he and, and David appear to be swapping cold sores. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> like how? Yeah, At what point? Like, point? They've all been I, I, with the same girl. They've all yeah, been with the same yeah, girl. I'm just yeah, like so they're, they're with the same girl, or they're just casually making out with each other. Sometimes <laughs> that could also be. Sure. <laughs> They're very close. I well, And that's the other thing that I don't think gets as much play is the beautiful rivalry that happens in this movie between David St. Hubbins and Nigel Tufnell and 
Janine because that that the lady playing Janine, Julie Chadwick, plays seething just under the surface. <laughs> so well. it is not under the surface. It is all <laughs> over her face. In a delightful way, but I unless but the camera focus like le- it it yes, should be on other people talking, on her. Yes. and it stays on her <laughs> yes. to just see. But it's all over her face. <laughs> how much she would rather be in charge of everything that's happening and all these fucking idiots, and she's not wrong, but also she's a fucking idiot and doesn't know about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I also like uh, uh, you see how you just see like. Nigel's face just drop when she shows up, and and yeah. then like and then he's like, uh, so she's only staying for like a couple days, right? And uh, <laughs> and he's like, no, she's coming on tour with us, and he's just like grinning, like it's the best thing ever. Yeah, best day ever. <laughs> Until he has to put on his handmade sweater by her, this <laughs> puffy puffy Saturn, Saturn sweater. <laughs> And he oh. just wants to play video games with the guys. And yeah, do you, nope, think, do you think I could take this off before I go back? <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be seen with it on. I mean, oh god, it's so beautiful. <laughs> it is, and for those you know horror films out, horror film fans out there who who may not have seen this, it's not as if people don't die in no. this movie. There's no, so many dying. kills, there's multiple no, deaths. I was gonna say there's many deaths. <laughs> Many horrible deaths. When Gina suggests this, and I was like, oh, I wonder how we can justify it other than we just want to do it and we're in charge. And I'm like, oh, we we definitely have a two-zero-death venture. For like, sure. that that's happening. So as far as I'm, you know, this has more kills in it than A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You just can't be a drummer is what it comes down to. True. It's all drummers who die <laughs> tragically, mysteriously, mysteriously, or just exploding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we should save the deaths until choose your own death venture, yeah. because that that's, that's going to be a thing unto itself. Um, but why don't we, we dig in a bit more to the characters here, since we've already started talking about, about David St. Hubbins uh, played by Michael McKean who up until this point had primarily been known as he's Lenny in Lenny and Squeaky, right? Yes. Is he Lenny or Squeaky? Is that what you're asking? Yes. I don't know. Gina, you'll know. He's Lenny. <laughs> you seem like a Squig Tones fan. She knows her TV, her classics. But I, for me, he was kind of like cemented in that place. I barely watched Laverne and Shirley in reruns. Um, so I, he was just that guy up until this. And I'm like, oh, he can do more than one thing. I was a child, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) He is, he is so good in this. Not only can he realistically play a front man of a, of a metal, metal metal-esque type hairband. He can, he can, you know, yes, just the comedy, the undertones, the singing, the, the the ego the right. the lack of awareness his you know his fascination with eastern religions that he knows nothing about <laughs> and believes that this that this his girlfriend knows more than he does and she does not no. yeah he's he's a great character 
and he can play a bit more of this the straight guy for these other guys to bounce off of yeah in a, as well <laughs> someone has to have the most inflated ego and to a certain degree he does have the most inflated ego nigel in retrospect is a bit more he's happy being the co-pilot he just hates it when someone gets put into his seat <laughs> and i think and we named our dog after him we did <laughs> our, our our late lamented nigel tufnell yeah um was named <laughs> after this character uh for his uh lovable attitude and his shaggy hair mm-hmm. uh <laughs> i well i and I, I, I briefly had a, a pet turtle named stumpy peeps <laughs> <laughs> excellent <laughs> I mean, I, I, we did pitch a bunch of variations for the new dog off of Spinal Tap, and none of them were ever as good as as Nigel Tufnell. It's just Artie Fluffkin came close. Artie Fluffkin did. <laughs> that, come that's close. A, that's a good one. That that is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> a wonderful uh, Paul. Uh, why am I blanking on his last name? Oh, um, from Letterman. Yeah, Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, was, uh, no one has a, a ton of vanity in the movie, which I think is important for comedy. You cannot be vain and be concerned with how you look or how you come off mm-hmm. and make comedy work. Um, I, I, if someone can, I'm sure someone in the, in the audience is now yelling at their phone that they believe they have found somebody. But I think over the long haul, you have to give up any sort of ownership of looking cool or appearing with it and doing comedy. You just have to sacrifice that in, in, in terms of your aims to make people laugh at and with. Well, yeah. You want to make sure the audience is always on your side. How famous was Billy Crystal at that moment when he took on what is essentially a one scene, five line role? He'd been on soap for, at, I mean, when so did soap was, come on the air? 77, name. 78. So, yeah, he was in people's living yeah. rooms. That's a good example of that. He was there to play and make those guys look the best they could. Well, because he and Rob Reiner were like famous. Yeah. Uh, were like roommates, BFS, basically. right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and and basically, after Reiner's divorce, they move in together. I, I don't know they, because that they movie? do. Yeah, where is that movie? <laughs> um, and then uh, you know he shows up here, you know, as a favor. Uh, and then with Dana Carvey just mysteriously popping up <laughs> as the other mime to be told, "Come on, hurry up! Mime is money. Don't talk back." <laughs> Is perhaps one of my favorite lines in this movie. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, when you say that, it does make you wonder a little bit about, well, you know, because they're making a Spinal Tap sequel that I just texted you as I found out, you know, got delayed because of the strikes, like everything, but is now filming in February. And, you know, the second line is like, we've got Elton John, we've got Sir Paul McCartney. And you think, but do you need them? Yeah. Do you need them? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I wish I could be, uh, I wish I, I could be excited about this. <laughs> I just do wonder if you can put the genie back in the bottle and make it pop out the same way. Um, you know, 
it's not to say that it's impossible. I want for it to be very, very funny. Yes. But the expectations are already going to be so astronomically high that you have to wonder. And then you add people who generally don't like making fun of themselves. Right. Right. That, or we'll do it with like a big wink, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. They, it seems like they, this is, was an opportunity to get, you know, I don't know. Like, Well, for all we know, it's also filled with a ton of improv comedians. Yeah. That they've, I'm sure it will be. You know, gathered. And hopefully they have like little bits from, you know, like the guys from Skid Row or something, you know, <laughs> to give it a little. We're also on tour at county fairs. Right. <laughs> with you in your 60s. I guess that kind of brings us to Harry Shearer as Derek Smalls, um, the lukewarm water of the fire and ice relationship <laughs> band, as he describes it. The, the, the preserved moose of the band. <laughs> the preserved moose. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> who's not afraid to have a foil-covered uh, cucumber in his pants. In his trousers. <laughs> as he goes to the airport. Uh, oh. Fantastic. That's another, that's another subtle scene. And I really love when uh, you know, they go through the whole like metal, you know, wanding him, and then he eventually just takes a cucumber out, unwraps it, and he just, like, he just throws it down, like makes his gesture like, there, are you happy now? And then walks away. Yeah. <laughs> The jig is up. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just great in this when he's trying. And he you can tell he utterly believes, right? How that they are poets and he has been right. lucky enough to be part of this magic. I mean, he is the everlasting caboose in this train. Mm-hmm. And he's happy to be there. That is, I think, the ultimate thing. Is like he doesn't believe he is the star of the show, and he doesn't believe he's the biggest player but he will support them to the point in which their their two behaviors will sink the entire ship and he's like isn't it great that this the ship sank isn't this wonderful now we have time to do all of our little projects like saucy jack the jack the ripper <laughs> musical we <laughs> propose we are high at some fucking castle <laughs> yes and that scene where he gets stuck in the pod cannot get out until the end there's so many set pieces in this movie that are worth everyone viewing it yes oh absolutely i mean we wouldn't be talking about it if we didn't highly recommend it it's so um part of my my personal sense of humor dna and i'm yours and gina i'm sure it's woven into the fabric of your life as well Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do, I do find myself just, you'd mentioned um, the, the line mime is money. That's like a, a, a common phrase around my house. I don't, I don't think I've ever actually used the phrase correctly. It's always just, you know, come on, right. mime is, come on, mime is money. And, and yeah. I'm, I'm sure there, I'm <laughs> sure there, I'm sure there are other like, you know, f- phrases, oh, you know, of course, you know, you kick this ass for a man. That's like, you know, that's, that's a, <laughs> it's just, you know, for when I was a kid, that was, that was the funniest scene to me. The whole, you know, I'm not asking, I'm telling with this. And, and, yeah. and, 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 and <laughs> it's been like, over. you know, yeah. always replaced by another scene. Like, you know, now, 
you know, my most recent watch of it, I, recent watches of it, I've always loved, I, I've come to love the part um, where they're in the limousine and Bruno Kirby is the driver trying to make conversation with them. And then the, like the, the, the yeah. partition like slowly goes up. <laughs> and then, and then, like, and he just like, he just like mutters under his breath and then starts talking about how, you know, they haven't lived and loved like Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Yeah, when you loved and lost like Frank is. He's just like he's just so earnest about it and so like like sober, and I just love it so much. (laughs) That is probably the only good deleted scene that they've ever released. Yeah, I was gonna say that we watched some of those outtakes today, and he had a whole scene where I I felt like he became part of the movie. Yeah, where he was the driver for the entire film. Yeah, but he's only in the in that one scene. Well, I think it becomes harder and harder to explain that they're only in Los Angeles, pretending to be in all these other locales. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they have him. They get him high for the first time, and he's you know just shocked that he gets as high as he does. And of course, he strips down to his underwear and sings Frank Sinatra. <laughs> he sings my way. Yeah, yeah. Kirby is fantastic in this because he's so his his bit his game. That this is all fad. (laughs) These people get everything that they want. So they're not like no amount of wisdom that he's going to impart to them on behalf of the Rat Pack is really going to penetrate is really, really fantastic. He's he's diehard for it. And I assume the only reason they take they take out that bit is he's he's so good with the small point, small smidgen of him that you get. That you don't want to ruin it by giving the audience too much. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's a it's such a it's such a highlight moment. You don't actually need more of it. Yeah. And I, you know, we mentioned Whereas every time Nigel acts clueless but so sure of himself, yeah. it's wonderful. <laughs> Whether it's, you know, exactly how one would act in a haberdashery (laughs) this is the exact replica this this shirt is the exact replica of my skeleton because we are green inside Mm -hmm. no we're not oh we're not oh okay he's so certain uh of so many things he he commits to whatever he believes so hard it goes up to 11 it goes up to 11 yeah um even before that, when he's like, this this guitar is so amazing, it's never been played. Don't look at it. It's, don't <laughs> Certainly don't touch it. Don't point at it. In fact, you've seen too much of it already. It's, oh, every single time. Every time. <laughs> he's just, he just so commits to the game that he's playing there that... It never, ever gets old. Even like when he has his gum on his finger. And everyone's like, take the gum off your finger. It's like, what if I want it later? Put it on the table. What if I forget it? This is not an excuse. Uh, I love it. I love every part of it. I love when he has to be lifted up off the stage because his guitar dropped on his back and cannot get back up while playing the guitar. Yeah. I feel like he must have made this decision or he was going to be a bit, you know, arrested development, right? He's just he's just in this <laughs> wondrous place where everything is the way he wants it to be, except when stupid Janine comes in. Right. And Janine just <laughs> fucks everything up. Yeah. Because up until that he, point, David he, is the, he's the apple of his eye up until the point Janine arrives. 
he he's also makes some really excellent guitar faces which which never which never <laughs> fails to crack me up when people do it sincerely like like you know carlos santana or john mayer or people like that uh-huh. it just but like when he's playing the vi- playing the guitar with the violin, like the like the the faces he makes during that scene are just and he's got the like like he's got so much makeup on that like like his eyeshadow yes. is, is glittering in the spotlight. Well, I've I you know it's not until you see it in HD that you really get that he's put eyeliner in the cleft of his chin every single time he's on stage. Like that is. That is beautiful. <laughs> like that's something you either see on a forty-foot screen or with new technology. But it's a joke that works both ways. Yes, one hundred percent. Um, uh, Tony Hendra as the tour manager, Ian Faith, uh, doesn't get a ton of play when people talk about the movie, but I think he's a a subtle hero. Oh yeah. In it. He's great. I he, feel like he got his due when he died. That was sad because he died uh, like yeah. two years ago. Mm-hmm. And people were like, he was so good in that. Yes, <laughs> he always was. He so plays it. Good. He plays it so real. Yeah. And his anger is so right there on the surface. And then he just tosses away brilliant fucking jokes like the tour, the, the stop in Boston's been canceled. But don't worry, it's not a big college town. That's fucking genius. I will never write a joke that good. That is so goddamn good. Yeah, that's one of those ones where you definitely, when you're young, like, you, you don't get that. And then when you're older, like, oh, yeah. right. right, yes, that's the joke. That's the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> I like, uh, I, I, one of my favorite line deliveries of his is when he is uh, arguing with uh, Angelica Houston, who shows up as, as yeah. the, uh, <laughs> designer of their the Stonehenge set but she is going by Nigel's mm. dimensions and Nigel does not know the, the difference between feet and inches <laughs> yes so she is like absolutely perturbed that that they're not happy with what she made because she made it to his exact I gave you exactly what you wanted <laughs> right and like and like uh, 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 Ian just like takes he's like forget the napkin fuck the napkin <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 just the way he says "fuck the napkin" is just like, oh my god! Like, like the lines themselves don't even like if you read them on paper, they probably wouldn't even be that funny. But it's, it's, you know, it is just completely in the, in the delivery. The and there wasn't much of a, a real script from everything no. I ever heard about it. No, they kind of had an outline. Was was, and that's yeah. basically you know how guest picks up the mantle after this is you had you know where you're going but you don't know how you're going to get there he just any way you want to get the alphabet we're going from a to z but any way you want to get there is perfectly fine and it probably makes it better along the way but everyone kind of knows what the goal is but you could kind of tell by some of those outtakes we saw in the special features that did not make it that they were absolutely just throwing shit up against the wall right. and some was hilarious and others you'd be like, oh, okay, you can yeah. see why that did not make the cut. Cause they're just, yeah. Yeah. Saying anything. And so much of like the Ian stuff that ends up in the tiny montage of him, like bashing things with his cricket bat. Mm-hmm. You can, they're in the same locations as everything else. 
So it, he either does the interview first and they're like, we'll fill this in with a bunch of stuff that you do with the bat. Or they brought it up and they're like, oh, shit, we need to fill this up with stuff with bat stuff. And they just quickly go in the hallway and he's kind of choking somebody with a <laughs> face you never see. <laughs> and then, of course, the, the line from him that I've repeat that I've stolen many, many times for the show is he refers to Janine's outfit as looking like an Australian's nightmare. And I'm not sure what that means, but she is absolutely an Australian's nightmare by the looks of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's full tilt boogie, like Olivia Newton, John, right. You know, during her roller skating disco phase, Xanadu, Xanadu phase. Yeah. yeah. I, I assume that's what. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little <laughs> that, it's a funny. little, it's, it's a little that, it's a little Stevie Nicks, kind of, kind of, you know, just all thrown together. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of the uh, lesser discussed members of Spinal Tap, of course, would be uh, R.J. Parnell as Mick Shrimpton. He would go on to r- revise that role, even though he died. As his brother Rick Shrimpton. Nick, <laughs> <laughs> the drummer, the drummer who the drummer who lived until the end. Well, statistically, <laughs> the law of averages say not all of them should die, but no, they show him in the final scene, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Uh, he blows up and then he's replaced by Joe Mama Besser, the other laugh <laughs> that, we got from our that's, kids. That's what I, that was, yeah, that was another joke that I, that I loved when I was a kid, was Joe Mama Besser. Um, and I, I, also, <laughs> I also, I also, I also like, I always also like mix like ne- kind of near death experience where it looks like they're trying to lift him up by like a wire and it like snaps, he falls into the drum kit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Standing yes. on the drum, the drum stand. <laughs> yes. And he's being interviewed in a tub uh-huh. with electronics nearby. Like they, <laughs> they are pushing the idea he could go any second. Well, we have to take a moment to oh talk about, we have, we have to talk about the, the Spinal Tap's first drummer, who is by far my favorite oh, minor no. character. Because just the way yeah. he just, like, like he's just, they, they describe him as like this cool nerdy guy. <laughs> and it's like Ed Bagley Jr. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you were talking, Patrick, about the the subtle movement that uh, um, a Rob Reiner does at the beginning. When he, uh, he unfolds his arms. I just really love when when Stumpy Peeps is like playing the drums. He does his little like his little outro, and then he turns on this little like, kind of, like little solar roll thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and you can tell he just thinks it's where he so pushes cool. up his glasses and his shoulders, his shoulders go up. <laughs> it gets me every time. That's so funny. <laughs> It is so specific and weird. <laughs> Bagley, do, I you, I think it would be hard for people of a certain age to understand how, like, gonzo funny he was at a certain point in his career. Oh, yeah. Uh, out of Kentucky Fried Movie, and then even in Amazon Women on the Moon, where, where he's the invisible man that everyone pretends is invisible in, in the bar. <laughs> That's fucking, that's genius. Yes. That's <laughs> really good. But he's particular, like all of his, he's making the most of it. And they they know he's a big pop, but he's 
He's so funny. He doesn't say a word. Does, he doesn't have no, to. No, he, he, it's he's, he's on. He is on screen for about twenty seconds. That's his total. That's his total yeah. screen time. And everyone else has been given a Beatles wig, but him. <laughs> he's just a lie. He just showed up that day. <laughs> like, what do you have for me? Here's a pair of glasses and a jacket. Now go drub. <laughs> then we have uh, Viv Bobby Savage. Viv <laughs> Savage. Well, he's we got to we got to finish out the, the main band the members. Keys, the keys. The key band members. We've got keyboard. Viv. Have a good time all the time, Savage. <laughs> yeah, I, I so I so wish. <laughs> really I could go, seems uh, like I so wish I could go back and make that my my high school senior yearbook quote. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had quotes. I mean, they all do a good job of, of blending into this universe, but he probably most of all, right? Yes. He just seems like this could absolutely be a guy in a band. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> You've never seen him before. You never saw him after. Here's this guy who absolutely looks like a keyboardist in a yeah. band. Yeah. And when they ask him, can you pick up that bass line that Nigel does? He's like, yeah, yeah, I got two hands. <laughs> That's a good line. I got two hands. I can do that. Well, he's basically just been working the one. The yeah. <laughs> and then I can't, I can't remember. Is it rock and roll creation where he's like a mental patient yeah. with the head so, zapper yeah, on? Yeah, and, uh, yes. and uh, uh, like I think Mick wore patient. the quiet riot mask. <laughs> yes, the mask. <laughs> Tears are coming to my eyes. I've seen this movie probably about 50 times. <laughs> just, like, just like recounting. Becky and I watch it once a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, we oh have to God. see it once a year, or it's like we haven't lived Whoa. unless yeah. we've seen it at least once a year. <laughs> and when it was in theaters. Not that long ago. Right. Five years. Yes. Like that was awesome. Yeah. Because we thought we're going to be the only ones there. But it was packed. Everyone knew every word. Yeah. We're all dying. <laughs> that was really to have a whole audience laugh at it was I had forgotten about that. To have that whole audience around you. It just really reawakens what a movie's potential is. Mm -hmm. Like I've said it on the show before. Like I'm. Friday the 13th 3, not exactly my favorite for a bunch of reasons. Then I see it in a crowd full of people. And the uh, this gal behind me, I'd never seen it before. And she is screaming. And she and that third act is so good, you know, regardless of what I think of the rest of the movie. And she just made that entire audience jump. She just reinvigorated the point of that movie. And seeing that with other people who are all laughing, and there were some newcomers yeah. in that group, um, it was it was delightful. Yeah, I, I'm really hoping. I think I have gone to a theatrical screening of it at some point, but I'm really I, I'm assuming, and and I hope that they're going to do one uh, uh, for 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 the fortieth this year. For this anniversary, fortieth, yeah, yeah, I would hope so. One would think. Um, we're now up to our SAG president, um, <laughs> one Ms. Fran Drescher, um, who's very understated, very serious, <laughs> but also has 
really funny undertones to what she's doing. Like the delight she hands when she hands the phone off to Ian and she knows that the album cover is going to get turned down Mm -hmm. and the joy she has that Ian being turned over because of that is pretty delicious. (laughs) I I think she's great in this. I, I, I like her a lot. I love her whole monologue of you don't think this album cover is offensive. (laughs) This is the eighties, honey. (laughs) (laughs) And clueless Nigel being what's wrong with being sexy. (laughs) Sexist. Sexist. Oh, Well, that's that's one of the great line where she's like, "You like you put a greased up naked woman with a glove uh-huh. in her face." It's like, and he's like, "We should have seen the cover they they originally wanted. It wasn't a glove. I can tell you that much." <laughs> <laughs> and then when they they learn that this other rock star has an album cover where he's being whipped by half naked ladies, and they're like, "Well, how come that works?" And he's like, "Cause he's the victim." Oh, um, twist! It's the twist. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dresher is amazing in this. Yeah, um, she's so subtle. The fact that she doesn't know the photographer's name, but Christine, Christine, what's your name? What is your name, my photographer? What is your name, Christine? I'm just gonna call you Christine. <laughs> I love that every single time. Oh. <laughs> Patrick McNee as Sir Dennis Eaton Hogg. Um, now, McNe- are we? That is a great name. It is great name. Why didn't we consider that for the dog? <laughs> Good question, <laughs> Sir Dennis Eaton Hogg. Are we supposed to know who Patrick McNee is? Well, he was in um, the event, the British The Avengers okay. TV series okay. for a long, 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 long time. And I think I had seen him previous to seeing Spinal Tap. He's in the 85 Bond movie mm. as Bond's driver in, um, uh, which one is that? Uh, the Not Living Daylights. Um, the Duran Duran a view to, uh, a, a view to a kill. song is for that one. A View to a Kill. Thank you, Gina. Um, and uh, so that's, I, I basically knew him from that when I saw it. I'm okay. like, oh, okay. What was he in the Avengers series? He he was the main spy. He was a dashing James Bond-esque. Okay. But very posh. So this was a little akin to a serious Leslie Nielsen all of his life showing up. Right. And the yeah. gun now he's here in this mockumentary. Yes. Yeah. And uh, they... Don't have him do much heavy lifting. He's more of a presence. He yeah. just feels like old money who's yes. not going to agree with this rock band. He's been making money from for a very long time, but might be on the edge of losing money, it feels like. Archie Hahn has that one little brief scene where he's the room service guy. who's I think he's playing gay, um, but of course so stereotypically gay that it's beyond camp and might be a hate crime, but I do like, like Archie Hahn simply from the Phantom of the Paradise. Oh, you know who you forgot though, yeah. uh, I think on this list is the one, um, the the desk clerk at the hotel who doesn't have rooms for them. That, right. that actor. Oh, that's yes. um, 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 Paul Bennett, <laughs> Paul Benedict, I think. I mostly, I mostly do. Yes. I mostly knew the kids from being on the, on the Jeffersons. Right. Yes. That that's that's how I knew him too. 
Or at least like whenever it was in reruns. It's not I like don't think I had ever heard that first line before because I what sticks in my head is when Ian insults him with a homophobic slur and he says, I'm just as God made me, sir. It's very, very great. The way he delivers it is beautiful. But before that, he says, how are we supposed to get 17 people in a, into a, one, king, leisure into a bed. king leisure bed? And he says, oh, don't tempt me, sir. <laughs> Oh my God, it's fucking nailed an assassin in our midst. It is so good. Like, there are just bangers when it comes to jokes that just yeah. fly by. And every other time you get them, because you're probably laughing over ones that you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is. I just noticed that. First time today. But he, al- he also hands the those sweaty uh, Coke bottle glasses yes. of the guy who took us to dinner in Palm Springs and may have admitted to it being a serial killer. Yep. Yes. That. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other episode. That is an entire <laughs> oh, <other> episode. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we were recruited to dinner by a movie theater uh, usher who <laughs> admitted during the meal that he may have been a serial killer. And when I asked him. At one point. At one not point. Currently. Not currently. <laughs> not active. Well, it, that takes a lot of work. He's an older gentleman. He doesn't have the time. He doesn't have the tools. It, some of the shine comes off. But when I asked him, so are you a serial killer? He kind of gave a, a shoulder shrug. And I'm like, that is something you usually have a hard pat answer for and the one i want to hear is <laughs> no <laughs> uh, yep uh he he never denied <laughs> what he had proposed he uh he also made a lot of claims that just don't yeah feel he real. also told us he was he was married to the heiress of the red baron frozen pizza Cup corporation <laughs> So it's hard to say. That is, is that very, real? Is like, that is a very specific lie. It was <laughs> very, very early internet days. Did not have the tools to look that up in the moment. True. So. True. We didn't. We didn't even have maps on our phones, which is how that story begins. But uh, that's for another time. Um, we talked about Paul Schaefer. We talked about Angelica Houston. Um, <laughs> Howard Hessman. Uh, playing a very minor, non-hilarious role here. He's basically servicing the plot just because. Like, they gave him that fun jacket to wear. He did get to say that line of, let's hang out. And he said, no, I can't. We're going to go sit in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd the love to. I'd love got- to, but we have to go sit in the lobby and wait for the limo. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good so I'm, That's right. We, yeah, he had a little fun. <laughs> and, of course, Fred Willard. As Air Force Lieutenant Bob Hookstrap, <laughs> um, doing everything, every Fred Willard bit, you and, and then telling him that he he loves just, he loves their music, even though he's never heard it. Yeah, <laughs> not even rock and roll. I'm just I'm so happy for you that it, it's happening. <laughs> but I'd really like to get this uh, up and over and done with, <laughs> which is the way you want to start your musical yeah, act for the evening. <laughs> Uh, yes. Uh, we never did see t- uh, four jacks in a jail in Kansas City. <laughs> oh, that's right. That That's who he believed was his definition of great music. Great music. At yeah. the Holiday Inn or whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was good. And that's where that's where Nigel breaks. That's the big scene where Nigel gets fed up. Feedback from the military units is happening <laughs> to his left and right on his, through his guitar. And it's one one broken string too many. Yeah. Yeah. And he walks off. Um, and at least he has, he walks away with his dignity, however. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his mullet. <laughs> <laughs> his mullet held high. <laughs> I do. When they show the audience, though. I want to know who that audience was because there's a, there's a, that one person who covers their ears and the other couple who keep trying to have a conversation. <laughs> That's perhaps my favorite. They don't appreciate sex farm woman. <laughs> no, it's a classic. How do you not appreciate not like it? They do in Japan, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then the sex farm gets on the charts in Japan. They reunite. And all the insert shots are of, of Japanese and Asian performers, but it's still the same concert. <laughs> they basically did two concerts and reuse the, and just change costumes over and over and over again. But when you look into the audience from the stage, completely different audience and all the close-ups are Japanese people rocking out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Any other final, like, what what didn't we hit? What final notes do you want to I mean, we didn't, put on we didn't, this is final tip? We didn't talk about um, their, when you get when you get to see, like, their their past iterations, like how they were the, you know, the originals and then the new originals and then the Thamesmen. <laughs> and, yes. um, and then, like, how they started out as sort of like a like a, a Beatles type band, and then and then very much like a, a hippie band. Now, uh, I have to ask: have, have either of you ever owned the soundtrack to to Spinal Tap? I'm pretty sure that I did. Yeah. Okay, so you you've heard the songs at like in like full, then, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Some of them don't get better. Some of them do. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I do. I am inclined to think that that uh, listen to the flower people is is you know kind of a, kind of a jam if you listen to it all the way through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he really rocks that sitar. That's for sure. Now, now, I uh, I pretty I assume that in the in the uh, the DVD you guys have it has all like the commercials and like the fake like the like greatest hits collections ads. Like have you ever, have you ever have you ever paid it? Oh, it must, yeah. but I don't know if we. Saw might, I don't think we got that far deep into it, but I know the previous DVD edition I had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to the because if you yeah. like, if you look at how they you know do, they do the role with all the songs that are that are included, like you know these strip the old like KTEL collections, you can see that they've made numerous sequels to listen <laughs> to the Flower Children or listen to the Flower People. Like I think what was called like <laughs> like still more Flower People, yet again more Flower People, <laughs> like all with like the parentheses, like the the. Uh, uh, the like the original song and the 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 killer of that song though is is uh, sheer <laughs> going shh all the time and then, mou- then mouthing every- shushing everyone and then mouthing we love you at, we the, love audience, you. at the audience yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you Patrick yeah, Patrick if we ever and the Stonehenge so oh yeah yeah Patrick, if we ever do a live show, one of, one, of, one of us has to mouth we love you at the audience at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. True. 
It works if you get a close-up, though. <laughs> I, and I'm not sure I can grow that kind of mustache. <laughs> I'd have to really work on that. I was watching School of Rock with, with Ollie last night because he really likes it and wanted to see it again. It had been a few years. And there's that entire thing where he's... What he reads, he basically does a Stonehenge Jack Black type song, right? And his whole what is his band that I can't think of the name of right now? Oh, wow, I do not remember. But they do that, those sort of you know, in the ancient time kind of stuff. (laughs) Um, and Uh, yes, all I can think of is the name of the movie, The Pick of Tenacious D. Um, Tenacious D, thank you, Tenacious D. Yes, so you know, of course, in Ollie's head, he's like. They're ripping off Jack Black. It's full of rock. <laughs> nope, it's the other way around. Other way around. <laughs> well, this is why I wanted to watch Nightmare on Elm Street before I watched the fourth season of Stranger Things. I didn't want him to come back into Freddy going, well, I've seen a lot of this before. Well, you should probably see the original stuff first. Um, yeah. But yeah, that is just, oh, that scene where they're... <laughs> in cloaks that they got at the Halloween store. And, and they, 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 still, are... they still got the heavy eye makeup on, with, even though they're trying to like go for yes, like this, the glitter this makeup. druid look and like they're, they're scowling. And it's just, oh, it's just so, it's so good. And, and this is Nigel's, you know, tour de yeah, force. This his, is yeah. his baby. Yeah, his this is what's going to save the band. <laughs> <laughs> and and I got it. I got it. After like, scene. And then it comes I, I die every time they cut to David's reaction when he sees the the miniature uh, yes. Stonehenge descending <laughs> the eighteen the inch ceiling. And he he's just he's gobsmacked and and I just that that face is so relatable. Just literal, his mouth is hanging open in disbelief, and um, and then the little people get tangled up in the in the wires while they're trying to dance around the, the stone. Well, why don't we try a, a revision of the dance so that they don't knock into it? Would that would that solve the problem? <laughs> That's what Derek says. Yeah, yes. and Derek and Derek has his, his practical questions whether tomorrow. Right. <laughs> Are we gonna do no. Stonehenge tomorrow? No, we're not doing it, buddy. Tomorrow. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, uh, Stonehenge is is amazing. Every part of that is genius because it built it it builds like you you know what Stonehenge is going to look like. So for it to work the second time requires all of the comedic might of everyone else in that scene to make that work, and then to extend it beyond that in the conversation, like. Most people would give up on that joke in the reveal, and they don't. Nope. They do not. I'm sure when I hit stop record, I will think of something else that needs to be talked about. Um, but I think some of what I really want to talk about is what we've been avoiding this entire time, and that's to choose our own death venture. Where of the characters that die in this movie, and they all die during the course of the movie, uh, in the sense that they're talked about. Uh, if you were to force to die that way, which one would it be and why? Up for bid, we have uh, John Stumpy Peeps, who died in a bizarre gardening accident that the authorities said was better left <laughs> unsolved. <laughs> 
We have Eric <laughs> Eric Stumpy Childs who choked on vomit of unknown origin. Um, they, yeah, maybe it wasn't his vomit. Could it definitely was else. not his vomit. They're they're very sure it's not his vomit, and they cannot determine whose vomit it is because quote you can't dust for vomit. <laughs> Um, then we have Peter James Bond. Now, we never see him. He, we're only told about him after the fact. He's the drummer who spontaneously combusts on stage during a jazz festival in the Isle of Lucy. And all that's left behind of him is a green <laughs> gobble. Um, And then, sadly, Mick Shrimpton goes the same way. He also explodes on stage. Uh, and then we meet Joe Mama Besser who we learn much later actually disappeared from the tour. We do not know where he went. Uh, so, Becky, you're our guest. I choose you to go first. I mean, I kind of want to choose Bizarre Gardening Accident because it's <laughs> so mysterious. Mm -hmm. And it sounds, but then it sounds so sharp. I feel, right. like, there's, <laughs> I feel like there's pruning shears involved. Um, I think I'm going to go with just exploding into bits are you um, gonna explode into i like the idea of being left as a small globule globule <laughs> of green yeah, yeah i'm okay. gonna go with that one it you know a legacy now that'll have, have to take place during a jazz festival and you famously <laughs> dislike do, jazz don't love that much jazz uh -huh. that's true i believe last time i tried to play it you said please turn that <laughs> off enough of that i think you said you know, I hung in for a good hour. <laughs> oh, I think we were three songs into it, but okay. It felt like an hour. <laughs> it did feel like an hour to you. That is absolutely truthful. All right, Gina, what say you? You know, I'm intrigued by the the gardening accident because I I feel like he may have somehow cut his own head off with gardening shears. This is this is what I this is the this is this is what I <laughs> this is what I picked. This this is what I have, I have you know this is that's canon for me that he somehow like slipped and cut his own head off and, and the circumstances that were so bizarre that they were just like, yeah, we just, we're, we're not going to talk about that. Don't look into it. It's just, you really don't want to think about it. And, and, you know, I, I, I kind of like the idea of, <laughs> of, you know, dying in such a bizarre way that, that, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to pretend that didn't happen. Don't, don't think about it. Don't look into it. It's just best <laughs> you don't know. There's no answer that's satisfactory, but I do have to feel that some of it, you know, we saw in slugs where he tries to chop off. His that's, own true. Hand that, that's true. That's true. It could be, it, it could you know, be, a, it could greenhouse be a slug That's also true. Nevertheless, <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I am going, I'm still going to, to remain with, with, because he was like the, let's face it. He was the, he was always the coolest guy in the band. And, and I would like to be remembered as the, 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 the coolest member true. of the band before I cut my own head off with gardening chairs. You're definitely the coolest member of this podcast. That, that's that's <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, phooey. I'm doing a shoulder roll right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I I mean, listen, I'm never going to choose choke on someone else's vomit. <laughs> Nevertheless, my own. That is not something I'm ever going to choose. So, yeah, combust on stage at a jazz festival. That's a way to go. <laughs> that is a way to go. It is a way. Or simply disappearing. I don't know. I like that too. Yeah, but anything could have happened. <laughs> anything That's could have true. happened. 
Um, I just feel like that you're opening yourself up to a world of pain or just terrible deaths. And I'm not into that. I don't I don't want to be that screaming frozen man from True Ooh. Detective Night Country. That could have happened Ooh, to yeah, you. I we just, don't know. I actually just caught up on that the other uh, yesterday. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah, we're just in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't like uh, people who should be dead screaming. No. I'm not into it. I, I don't I don't like, you know, dying people sitting up and somehow knowing my name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not into that. <laughs> that uh, that's a hard pass for me. And yet we're watching it. I, I mean You're living it. it. I don't want to live it. I love watching it. Yeah. I'm having the time of my life watching it. It's the living I do not want to do. <laughs> Uh, well, that pretty much does it. Gina, um, Josh Hollis does all of our artwork, Revenge Bonnie Memphis at Bandcamp.com. Does uh, this theme and all of our remixes. Gina, where can people find you on these here internet? I write about movies and television at the spool.net. And I have a substack, you know, watch us things.substack.com. And I am on most social medias under Gina does things. Do it today, people. Check it out. Um, of course, you can find us on, on most of your socials with the exception of Twitter. Fuck that place. Uh, go to our Patreon for lots of bonus content that's super fun, including movie commentaries, Q&As, and bonus episodes. Are you guys talking on the threads instead? Yeah, we're on threads. Yeah. We're on Blue Sky. We got the Facebook well, group. Well, I feel like we threads Instagram. is taking off. Threads is fun for brands. Brands love threads. It's very safe. It's very anodyne. It's fine. It just doesn't no, have the fun engagement lo- Twitter used to have. Okay. But there does seem like there's good positive interaction, not just with brands, but people. Yes. I, I think it's going to be the place that most people end up, but I enjoy Blue Sky a little bit more because it's funky. Mm-hmm. It's it's a funky joint. Uh, but that's, that's pretty much it. Um, don't worry, folks. A a real horror movie body count will be coming up <laughs> in our next full episode. Uh, got watch pl- Spinal Tap. Yeah, Absolutely. watch this is Spinal Tap. Have a good time. Enjoy your life for crying out loud. Uh, make yourself feel happy. I assume happy. it's easy enough to see on a, on Amazon or something. I'm sure it's available somewhere. It, oh no, am I going to have to Google if it's available? <laughs> it has to be. Right. I'm checking. I'm checking. Hold on. Um, it says what? There's a watch movie thing. Yes. Um, it's currently on AMC Plus. The, the the one everyone has. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah, with premium subscription of AMC right, Plus. Right, but um, you know, you can. It sounds like you can still rent it on Amazon for a couple bucks. Uh, no. No. Generally, when it says premium subscription, yeah, it's AMC oh, Plus. So it's only AMC Plus. Okay. So the AMC Plus has a lock on it, everyone, but you can get a seven-day free trial. You got that there going you go. for you. All right. You, you, you um, can watch that and uh, and uh, interview with the vampire. There you go. Two things you can watch. We're going to cover interview with a vampire here sooner or later. So why not watch it today? Um, that just about does it. The body count will continue for myself. For Gina and for Becky. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.